Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. If you consider yourself new to this community, one of the fixtures of this space that you find yourself in is this wall here. This wall here, you you might not know it at first, but it's actually a calendar. It's always telling you what time it is in the life of the church. We have different seasons that we live by, Um, pre-season, post-season, Okay, there are other seasons besides the NBA. Um, Tax season, uh, different seasons throughout the year, yeah? Well, in the life of the church, uh, the church has created different seasons. And the whole purpose of these seasons is to help us center our lives on Jesus Christ all year round. So we just wrapped up a 12-day season called Christmas, and we are now in a new season. Now, I know for a lot of people in this country, uh, January 6th now, you know, reminds you of um, failed uh, insurrectionist uh, coup attempts. But way before that, January 6th in the life of the church was called the epiphany. Now, epiphany just means the theophany. Does that make it more clear? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, good. All right. Moving on. Um, It means the revelation, the unveiling, the opening up, the giving just a little bit of clarity. That's what this whole season is about. Now, Epiphany is going to get us from the end of the 12 days of Christmas all the way up to the beginning of the next season, which is a 40-day season called Lent. All right. So Epiphany is this time in between where God 
reveals things to us. God pulls the veil back. This is a season when you should open yourself and expect God to make things a little more clear to you. We tell stories in this season of the Magi. These were the travelers who came a very far distance to meet Jesus. And they had a lot of baggage with them. They came with frankincense and gold and myrrh, and yet the living God drew them into God's holy family. I wonder if that's you today. Here you are, the living God drawing you into the holy family. And you might feel however you feel about whatever it is you walked in with. But in the season called Epiphany, the living God transforms our baggage into gifts for the holy family. And so whatever your greatest burden is, whatever your greatest fear is, whatever your deepest insecurity is, you're in the hands of a God who can transform those burdens and baggage into gifts. Because that's one of the beautiful things about a Christian community, a church community, is that you don't have to pretend that you've got it all held together here. I know you do for the rest of your life. I mean, I sure do. But you don't have to here. You can just be whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are. You just can't. In fact, if we do it right, then it'll actually like deeply and quickly demonstrate when you're trying to act like you've got it together and you don't. And so just gently hear from me, it's cool, it's fine. I release you from the burden of being a well-rounded person, okay? (laughs) You just don't, you don't have to be, right? So maybe that's your revelation, that the living God has drawn you here as you are, carrying whatever you're carrying, because there may be people in this community who will be reminded that the living God is who God is, not because of powerful displays, but because of the fragility of Mary's baby. Your alleged weaknesses may be the thing, may be the sermon that other people in this community deeply hear and realize God's strength in your weakness. Now, God reveals God's very identity to us in this epiphany. And it is revealed, it is unveiled, it is disclosed. And I think this is really instructive for us. One of the reasons that I love this season is because it disciplines some of the language that I use to talk about me and God or you and God. And I think it can do the same for you if you let Epiphany tutor your language. For all of the best intentions, we say things like, oh, well, such and such and such happened, and that's when I found God. Or this thing happened or this thing didn't happen, and so I finally decided I was going to, you know, new year, new me energy. I was going to make room for God in my life, and I'm going to make God a part of my life this year. Or, you know, I was at church camp and they just, you know, they were still singing again. So I decided to walk down front and, you know, 
welcome Jesus into my heart. I'm not saying any of that's bad, all right? But I am saying that Epiphany flips the script on that. Epiphany says, sorry, that's a cute story about you. Epiphany is about God. And the whole beauty of the Epiphany is that you thought you were finding God, but what you actually discover is that God found you. You thought you had main character vibes and you've lived your whole life thinking it's all about you. And one day you just stumbled upon God. Epiphany says in love, no, God has been coming for you your whole life. You don't make God part of your life. The whole point of the good news of Epiphany is that the living God has made room for you in God's life. You do not simply welcome God into your heart. The good news of Epiphany is that the living God has opened up God's heart and brought you into the center of it. The good news of Epiphany the revelation, the aha moment for you might be that it's blessedly not about you at the center. It's about God. It's about God seeking you, God coming to you, God loving you, God serving you, God welcoming you, God opening God's own life and God's own heart and placing you deep into the center of it. That's the good news of Epiphany. It's about God and God's love for you. I mean, I don't know about you, but I know for me, my love for God fails at times. So just me? Okay. Fine. Um, that's fine. My love for God fails. My trust in God falls short. My hope in God isn't always as robust as I would like it to be. And that's why I love the Epiphany so much, because the Epiphany says, well, God's got plenty of faith. God's got plenty of hope. God's got plenty of love. God's got plenty of trust. So you chill out and participate in God's acts, in God's heart, in God's love, in God's faith, in God's hope, in God's love. And you will discover a freedom to be who God made you to be. Okay. So that's the entree to the season of the Epiphany. In today's story in the Epiphany, Jesus Christ comes into the Jordan River I mean, if you're looking to try to get back into reading the Bible at the top of the year, just go through and read all of the places. Go into one of those search. <laughs> I sound so old. <laughs> outdated. Get on your little machine box and type in the <laughs> type type in your words. Um, <laughs> uh, do it. Do it. Go to like Bible Gateway or something and just search all the different times that the Jordan River shows up in the Bible. It's like over 185. Now in a very anthropocentric way of living, you don't really view rivers as other creatures, but you know, the life of being a Christian is you realize that we are 
human creatures and we are becoming more fully human, but there are lots of non-human creatures that play a central component in God's good creation. And the Jordan River gets a lot of play throughout the scriptures. I mean, it's over like 185 times this beautiful creature shows up. So Jesus wades into the Jordan and he's baptized. And as I've said to you before, I say to you again, baptism is when God does for one what God will eventually do for everyone. The heavens split open, the pigeon descends. Now I know we call it a dove, but it's basically the same thing. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove, like a pigeon, and the voice from behind the splitting open. You know, when you look at icons, when the heavens split open, the further up you get, the darker it gets. <laughs> the voice from behind the darkness says, you are my beloved child. In you, I am well pleased. Baptism is when God does for one what God will do for everyone. And maybe today is the day that you finally see the heavens splitting open you experience the Holy Spirit falling on you and you hear the voice of the one Jesus calls Father saying, you are my beloved and I'm well pleased with you. The baptism of the Lord is when God does for one what God will do for everyone. I remember wading into the waters myself. My friend Noah he got baptized and all of his family got together for a meal afterward. And that sounded pretty great to me. I won't go take you through all the details, but getting all the family together for a meal sounded amazing. And so I thought, all right, well, I think I'll get baptized then. Now you may look at that and think, gosh, this is probably not the strongest of theological reasons for wanting to get baptized. And I thought that way for a while too, but actually I deeply disagree with that with myself now because what I discovered in baptism is that I wanted all the family together and what God gave me was the church and I wanted a meal and what God gave me was the Eucharist the bread and the wine and so maybe that's you maybe you when you really get down to the bottom of it what you deeply want our people and a meal. God has given you great gifts, friends. What I didn't count on, I was expecting the meal. I was expecting the family. What I was not counting on was a vocation. I didn't anticipate that the living God was going to co-opt my life at that moment and say, uh, <laughs> boy, have I got dreams for you. Boy, have I got work for you. Boy, have I got a life for you to now embody. Because what I am discovering is that ever since that moment when I participated in baptism, I was getting immersed into Jesus Christ's own life. 
I was not just doing something that simply reminded me of something that happened one day long ago to people gone. No, I was being immersed into the very life of Jesus Christ who has not stopped working in the world. It's this amazing little letter about a hundred years or so after Jesus resurrected that said, you know, now that Jesus has ascended and gone to be with the Father, he's actually more visible now in the world than he was before. Now that's just one of those things that sounds wrong. And yet, I'm beginning to see the wisdom in that. Actually now, we are all being caught up into Jesus Christ's life. And the more that we love others and go to serve others and be sent out of the waters of baptism to show the world that they too have always had a place in God's holy family and we go to show them how deeply loved they have always been by the living God, Jesus is at it again. Doing way more than just being in one place at one time. And what I realized in baptism is that God was doing for one what God eventually will do for everyone. And that means you get a vocation in baptism to go and show people, many of whom, for many people, love is a stranger. And you get to show up and show them just how deeply loved they have always been by God. And you get to proclaim the good news that they too are God's beloved child and that there has always been a place in God's holy family for them. I mean, that really is, frankly, why we started this community. For the idea that that Houston didn't need just another church, but there were a whole lot of people who thought that there was no place for someone like them in church. And we just thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a church for people without a church, who you could just walk in and be who you are, and you hear the living God say to you, You are my beloved child. There has always been room for you here. Come. Get a family, get a meal, and get a vocation to go and show the whole world just how deeply loved they are. One of the ways that we observe the epiphany is called the epiphany home blessing. And when you walk out If you go out the front doors today and you go out through the lobby, you can pick one of these home blessings up and it comes with chalk. It's this, I I don't actually know how old it is, but uh, it sounds better if we say it's ancient. So it's ancient. You know, we've been doing this forever. Um, I don't really know how old it is, but what it is is a prayer and it invites you to make some markings near your front door. And it's a way to say that for the next year of your life, whoever God brings to your door, you're going to assume that the living God has drawn them to you so that you can live into your vocation, which is to show them that they too are God's beloved child and that there is a place for them. You mark your door as a sign of true Christian hospitality. I hope that you'll take one of these and do it uh, at your home, your your apartment, your townhome, wherever you live, and treat it as a prayer. But be careful. 
I know this God. <laughs> you know, you tempt this God. <laughs> God, I will welcome anyone you bring my way this year. Okay. Look, that sounds good sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, look, um, th- this week I'm going to meet with people who are, you know, doing their final exams because they, they too want to be clergy in the church. And sometimes I'll meet people and say, why do you want to be a priest in the church? And they'll say, oh, I just love people. And you think, okay, you ever met any of the people that God's going to make you work with? <laughs> and that's the thing. If it's about my love, I'm always going to find a reason to like, say, well, actually, there, you probably don't belong here. If it always comes down to me and my taste, I can probably always find a way to say, oh, actually, we're all closed up for the day here. We are. We're full. <laughs> Sorry. Go somewhere else. But if it's really rooted in God's love, then you will find God slowly, perhaps painfully, opening you to practice hospitality to someone that you might not want to practice hospitality to. That's the vocation piece. But if you remember that you first have been fully, totally welcomed into God's holy family, then you can find yourself being opened by God to truly be hospitable to others. You remember Will who came a few weeks ago and preached at Advent? I heard him say once that he had been he had worked at Duke for like 25 years or something. And then he went to be the bishop of Birmingham, Alabama, which is a bit of a zag if you've lived in Durham, North Carolina your whole life as, you know, <clears throat> on campus, and then you go to be bishop of Alabama. And one of the newspapers asked him when he got to Alabama, they said, what do you miss most about your time at uh, Duke University? And you know what his answer was? He said, I miss the admissions department. He said, because the admissions department existed to make sure that I never really had to worry that I wouldn't be surrounded by people that basically didn't just think like me. I was always surrounded by people who had manipulated the educational system to their advantage, like I had, to put me in a place where basically people who thought like me and acted like me, I could be surrounded by at all times. He said, but then I get out here to the church. We're not allowed to have an admissions department. We've got to deal with anybody Jesus Christ drags in the door. Happy Epiphany. find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.